This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Hi, I'm Ben Mathis. Welcome to Kick-Ass News. Folks, let me ask you this. How far back can you trace your family tree? Have you ever tried? For most people, their family tree only reaches back a few generations before it starts to peter off for lack of accurate, verifiable records like census data, death and birth certificates, and marriage licenses. And oftentimes we go our whole lives simply accepting what may be an apocryphal family narrative that's been handed down, edited, and embellished in a game of telephone that stretches across generations. But in recent years, technology has caught up with genealogy, making records more easily available on a massive scale through websites like Ancestry.com and offering affordable and accurate DNA testing through companies such as 23andMe. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Even as we speak, there are 200 million people connecting to each other as part of what genealogists are calling the World Family Tree. And within 10 to 20 years, they estimate that all 7 billion people on the planet will be connected. That means soon you'll be able to go online and see relative by relative how you're related to me or the president or Albert Einstein or the guy who just rear-ended you on the freeway. And my guest today has been exploring all aspects of this phenomenon ever since he attempted to set the record for the world's largest family reunion in 2014. A.J. Jacobs is well known for writing about his own life experiments, such as when he spent 12 months living his life according to every rule of the Old Testament in his New York Times bestseller, The Year of Living Biblically, or reading the entire Encyclopedia Britannica for his book The Know-It-All, One Man's Humble Quest to Become the Smartest Person in the World, or outsourcing every aspect of his life to India in The Guinea Pig Diaries, My Life as an Experiment. Now in his latest book, called It's All Relative, Adventures Up and Down the World's Family Tree, A.J. Jacobs recounts his attempt to throw the world's biggest family reunion and his efforts to connect to the billions of people he calls cousins, including everyone from Mark Wahlberg to President George H.W. Bush. Today he'll discuss how this crazy project all began with an email from a dairy farmer in Israel and quickly led him down a genealogical rabbit hole as he connected himself to everyone from Abraham Lincoln to Jeffrey Dahmer. He reveals how every person on the planet is the descendant of two people whom he calls Y-chromosomal Adam and mitochondrial Eve, and he says any person on the planet is no further than 70th cousins with anyone else. A.J. discusses the potential for this interconnectedness to change ideas about race and ethnicity, bring people together, and even solve Middle East peace at this dangerously divisive time in our history. But he also talks about some of the uncomfortable truths being revealed by modern genealogy, such as when he found out that he was married to his cousin, or the DNA test that showed nine siblings that they were the product of the same mother, but nine different dads. In fact, A.J. cautions that you might learn that great-grandpa Gustav, who came over seeking the American dream, was actually fleeing from an arrest warrant in the old country. He says you never know what you'll find when you start climbing the old family tree. Plus, A.J. gets the ultimate Mormon street cred, attends a get-together of the Hatfields and McCoys, and nearly loses his mind trying to throw the world's biggest family reunion. Coming up with A.J. Jacobs in just a moment.
AJ Jacobs is the author of the New York Times bestsellers The Know-It-All, The Year of Living Biblically, and The Guinea Pig Diaries. He is the editor-at-large of Esquire magazine, a contributor to NPR, and he's written for The New York Times, The Washington Post, and Entertainment Weekly. His latest book is called It's All Relative, Adventures Up and Down the World's Family Tree. AJ, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Well, you tend to embark on these fascinating life experiments, such as attempting to live according to the rules of the Old Testament for an entire year. Now, with It's All Relative, you explore your wider family tree and even try to throw the world's biggest family reunion. Um, it does seem that people are exploring their family trees a lot more than ever before right now, uh, to the extent that you say in the book, genealogy is the second most searched thing on the internet behind porn. Is that yeah, true? That was, you know, the, it didn't surprise me that porn was one, but, uh, it did surprise me that genealogy is number yeah. two and it is huge. There's millions of people taking these DNA tests. There's TV shows, there's genealogy cruises. Mm. You can go and, uh, and talk. <laughs> genealogy. So it is really, it's a remarkable explosion that's happening. Well, if I have this correct, uh, you say that this whole journey began with an email from a dairy farmer in Israel, right? Yes, it was a very strange email, and it was a, a few years ago, and and it started out, it said, you don't know me, <laughs> but I'm your eighth cousin. So naturally, I was a little suspicious, and I figured, all right, he's going to ask me to wire $10,000 yeah. to a Nigerian <laughs> bank. But it turned out he was legitimate, and he is part of this group of people who are building the biggest family tree in history. And it is millions of people, literally millions of people in dozens of countries, hundreds of ethnic groups, all on the same family tree. And and the idea of it blew me away because I always found genealogy. I thought, okay, it's kind of interesting, but a little stodgy. It's like needlepoint. No offense, but yeah. needlepoint. But now it's so relevant, and it it touches every part of our lives: politics, race relations, uh, health. So I thought this has to be my next book. This is not Twenty Three and Me. This is not Ancestry dot com. This is. That on a much wider scale, right? Explain right. It, that concept. It, it is mind-boggling. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but there is there are several services now who are trying to connect every single person on the same family tree. And in a, in about 10, 20 years, we, we will have all 7 billion people. Right now, it's at about that 200 quickly. million. Yeah, well, it's exponential growth. Yeah. Um, but you put up your family tree and then it searches to figure out how you're connected. And it's like the ultimate social network. It's like <laughs> six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but everyone's yeah. Kevin Bacon. And to give you an example, <laughs> like you put in a name. So I put in Barack Obama and it said that he is my fifth great aunt's husband's brother's wife's seventh great nephew. That is the <laughs> wow. literal. So we're very close. We're like brothers. Have you shown up at his house or anything? <laughs> I, I invite him for Passover. He hasn't yeah. responded yet. Uh, but I actually, using this as a social network, I was able to get access to a crazy number of people for yeah. the book. These uh, amazing uh people uh, that I wanted to interview, celebrities or politicians or athletes. So it is a useful, it's like LinkedIn times 10. <laughs> yeah, you said that when you first started out, you would just for fun keep punching in famous people to see how you're connected. Exactly. Yeah. And we are all connected 
uh, by blood. The farthest mm-hmm. cousin you have on Earth is probably about a 70th cousin. Wow. Uh, like, so a yam farmer in Papua New Guinea is about yourself. <laughs> That's what scientists estimate. But we are, um, but in these networks, we're also connected through marriage. And mm-hmm. it is just, you know, it will. It will take you down a rabbit hole. It'll suck up like a week of your life figuring out how you're related to everyone, including uh, your your close, like my wife, for instance. That mm-hmm. was a that was a little <laughs> twist I didn't expect. We both took the DNA test, and it came back that uh, we are cousins. So <laughs> that kind of I thought it would be like spice up our marriage, but she was a little freaked out. And, and now how far apart? Well, we what, are not like we're six or seven cousins. cousins. So we're not okay. first cousins. But okay. I told her, ironically, I le- realized later she was watching Game of Thrones when I broke it to her. So I thought that was, <laughs> was kind of appropriate for the theme. <laughs> so probably all of us are married to our cousins or dating our cousins. That's then, right. Uh, yeah, for better level. or worse. And I do have, this is not a main part of the book, but I do have a chapter on um, the history and meaning of first cousin and close cousin marriage. Yeah. Because you had Charles Darwin, who married his first cousin, and <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there is a group of people in America who are pushing to legalize first cousin marriage. And I spent some time with them for my chapter, and they're very interesting. And, you know, they actually, they converted me. Really? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go marching in the street for, it's not something I feel passionate about, but if I had to choose, I would say first cousin marriage should be legal. It's legal now in half the states and illegal in half. Now, what are the states it's legal in? Are they the ones you would predict? Or <laughs> Well, it's really interesting, actually, especially for your show. It seems to me that the, the deep blue states, uh-huh. first cousin marriage is allowed, like I think it's Vermont, but you know, very liberal. And then okay. deeply red states like Alabama. It's also because huh. I guess so it's in the, the extremes, but right. in Ohio, right. it's illegal. I can't remember like that, state Florida. by state, but it is yes, and huh. sort of in the middle, they're uh, they they're a little more skeptical. I mean, there's the issue of uh, birth defects and that type of thing as right. well. Well, that is the argument they make is mm-hmm. that the risk of having a first a birth defect from first cousin marriage is about the same as a 40-year-old woman huh. having a, a child wow. with birth. So their argument is, are you going to make it illegal for a 40-year-old woman? So again, it's not one of the social justice <laughs> issues that I'm obsessed with. Yeah. But if I did have to choose, I'd be like, all right, let them marry if they really feel that strongly about it. Now, we talked about some of the famous people that you reached out to. Uh, you call them up or you write them and say, hey, I'm your cousin. Uh, right. What's the typical reaction from well, it's a celebrity funny you're related it, to? It definitely varies. I mean, when you use this play the cousin card, as I call it, <laughs> uh, some people are, you know, all but uh, get a restraining order against you. But some, it's a surprisingly effective. And George H.W. Bush, I wanted to interview him because part of the book is just talking to people about family. What does family mean? How's it changing? How can you be the best family member? So he's, you know, patriarch of this uh, remarkable family. Uh, so I. I called his publicist and she was like, I'm sorry, the president is not doing any interviews. And I said, all right, I understand. But can you just let him know that I am his cousin? And I explained (laughs) how, like fifth cousins. uh, And she's like, well, all right, since you're related, let me get back to you and see what I can do. And ended up, I was on a plane to Houston the next week and we had a lovely conversation. uh, And I got 
His wife, Barbara, had some good marital advice for me that I did. Really? What's that? Well, she said, you should try to put in 75% effort as opposed to 50-50 because we all have sort of a uh, skewed view of how much we're doing. Oh, yeah. So I thought that was huh. nice. I tried that. I wouldn't, I'm more like at 65%, maybe <laughs> 60 <laughs> Now, do you have any bad apples in your family line? Oh, we all do. Yeah. We all do. And that is a part of the book. I I interviewed this guy who goes to genealogy conventions dressed in black and white prison suit. <laughs> and he's got a company, something like Black Sheep Research, that is all about finding the bad apples in your tree. Because <laughs> there is some street cred. There is yeah. some way like, by having these horrible people. Yeah. So I loved finding... Um, yeah, and I found a murderer, um, an extortionist. Uh, this one, I wouldn't call it bad, but it was very interesting and a little bit heartbreaking. I, there's this one, my second cousin, three times removed. The only trace of him left on earth is a 1903 newspaper advertisement where he gives a very uh, passionate endorsement of a hemorrhoid cream. <laughs> and he says how great this hammer and that is literally so, so that kind of broke and I didn't help yeah. matters by writing about it in my book so um, but it is I actually think it's very it's crucial to talk about the good and the bad ancestors yeah. uh, because psychologists say teaching your kids about family history is actually good for them yeah uh, but you have to tell them about the good and the bad to show that you can you can overcome uh, obstacles and uh, and difficulties, and that's why I think uh, you might remember a couple years ago Ben Affleck was on that one of the genealogy shows, and it turned out one of his ancestors was a slave owner, huh. and he tried to censor it. He oh really? He said don't put this in. It only came out because there was a hack of all the Sony emails, and it came out that he he censored this. And I just thought that was so wrong-headed mm -hmm. because it's such a, it is an important and illuminating message that you don't have to be beholden to the sins of your ancestors. You can start over. You can, um, yeah. and it just seems so, and, and he got a huge flack for it. So <laughs> it didn't turn out well for him. But I have to think that there probably are a lot of people who want to control their family narrative. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> don't want to know this stuff or don't want other people to know. Some of this can be a Pandora's box because you may find out that, you know, you're the son of the milkman or something like that. You know, <laughs> mom was running around with the mailman or cousins oh, yeah. married. Well, it is. I mean, I have a chapter in the book where I talk because I try to highlight some interesting stories. And there was this guy I talked to who had nine siblings and through DNA testing as an adult, he found out that they had nine different fathers. Wow. So they were... Uh, mom got around. Mom got around. And <laughs> okay. she... It was a remark... It was actually a very inspiring story mm -hmm. in a weird way because he... First of all, he forgave his mom. Like, he saw that she had good qualities as, as well as these complications. And his dad treated the nine kids as if they were his own, even though he knew. It was huh. clear that he knew. Um but yeah, it will be fascinating as more and more people get yeah. DNA tests. Two percent 
uh, the estimated two percent at least of mar of um, offspring are from a father huh. who you don't think a, a surprise yeah. father. So the world is going to be like yeah. one huge Maury Povich show, and uh, it's going to be interesting and complicated. Now the royal family's never done a DNA test, have they? Because mm. there are all these rumors that Harry is not really Prince Charles's son. You know? Right. I don't think I they have done oh. that, but they, I'm sure it'll have someone will get like one of Harry's. Yeah. Uh, you know. Oh, take that's all his you need drink. hair or something, yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it, yeah, it's going to be a very very strange world. It's got huge pros and huge cons. Yeah, yeah. Now, didn't you say that among some of the bad apples, you were related to uh, Stalin and who else? And Jeffrey Same Dahmer. Jeffrey apples, Dahmer. Yeah. But I will say Jeffrey Dahmer is on my wife's side. I want oh, okay. to make that clear. So <laughs> you bring like that up remind, a lot. I do. Well, I'm scared of her. You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to. I see her looking at me like, mm, that guy could be, taste good. Yeah, you know, I have to ask, did you check before this interview to see if you and I are related? I, I mean, did. obviously, we must be. We must be. I there were on the global family tree. There are about a dozen of you, Ben Matheson. Oh, okay. Okay. So after this, I want to figure out which one is <laughs> okay. you and how we're related. But I'm sure we're yeah. probably sixth or seventh cousins. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated because I actually did 23andMe. I guess a few months ago. And I had always been told that we were German, a lot of German, French, and some English. And it's, it is like 90, I think I was like literally 99.8% European. Right. But within that, there was 1.5 Ashkenazi Jew. Oh. And yeah, well, some I'm interesting Ashkenazi stuff Jew, so yeah. we are definitely mishpuka. <laughs> well, it is fascinating. Uh, as more and more people take this, the results are really uh, remarkable. There's these, this phenomenon of white supremacists taking these DNA huh. tests and finding out, because we are much more of a mix than we think, despite you're, yeah. not, you're sort of an outlier. Um, and these white supremacists finding out they're part Jewish or part African-American mm -hmm. and <laughs> freaking out. So some yeah. of them are in denial and say, oh, these tests are rigged by the, you know, the liberals. Some actually have a change of art. And hmm. so yeah. I am hopeful that... In the end, it'll be a good thing when we see how much of a mutt we all are. And we're not yeah. just much in terms of ethnic. We are not even 100% um, homo sapien. You know, we are, we yeah. all, we're a mix of species because most of us have about 3% Neanderthal. Yeah. So, and then there's other. Um, hominid species like Denisovans. Right. So we're just well, we all... share a huge amount of DNA with most animals, right? I mean, I'm trying oh, yeah. to remember the exact percentages, but right. it's not that big of a difference. No, I have a whole chapter in the book of every animal on Earth is a cousin of ours. And actually, Darwin, Charles Darwin, said it in uh, his his book. He was right there at the beginning. Every animal is a millionth cousin. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they are. Um, Say hi yeah. to your cousin tapeworm and <laughs> cousin uh, mouse. And so, speaking of Darwin, who would have been the original Adam and Eve, so to speak? Right, that was really interesting because there it does turn out there is an Adam and Eve. I I I wrote a whole book about the Bible, so I don't believe in the literal <laughs> truth yeah. of Adam and Eve. But I, but scientists talk about. Y chromosomal Adam mm -hmm. and mitochondrial Eve. So not quite as catchy, but uh, they were. Uh, it's an estimated to be about 200,000 years ago. 
And they weren't the first humans. There were thousands of humans at the same time uh, running it sort of wannabe Adam and Eve's. But these are the two whose DNA is in every single person on Earth, in wow. you, in me, in Miley Cyrus, in Manafort, the guy at Chipotle's. <laughs> like every single person has their DNA uh, just because that happened to be the strain huh. that came down. So that is one of the things I try to think about that – when someone cuts me off on the highway and I get all annoyed, <laughs> mm. I just try to remember, you know what? We probably share a 20th grandfather or a 10th <laughs> grandfather. And what would he want us to do? And, uh, you know, he'd want us to hug it out, be nicer to each other. So, I, you know, because I am not I think I'm I was born more of a Larry David uh, than a Tom <laughs> Hanks. Like I get annoyed at people. Um and this is one very useful tool to try mm -hmm. to, to become less misanthropic. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back with more with A.J. Jacobs when we come back in just a moment. Genealogy used to be used to prove someone's pure bloodline and to really separate people from the quote-unquote other. Right. But now it seems like it has a greater power to do the exact opposite of that and unite everyone over shared similarities and chip away at tribalism at a time when we probably need that more than any time. Right. Well, yeah, I love that you said that because that to me is one of the great stories here is that you, it started out as very elitist. Like I'm I'm from the Mayflower and you're not, therefore right. you can't join my country club. And uh, and now it's it's been turned on its head and it's actually in some ways a democratizing force showing that we are all related and that we all uh, can trace from good and bad. We're all much. And one um, – and it's interesting to see the political uses of genealogy. There's one, huh. one genealogist who um, – she she calls it resistance genealogy. So, for instance, you know, uh, Stephen Miller in the Trump campaign was saying he prefers immigrants speak English. But she was able to find that his great grandmother uh, came from Russia and spoke no English. So if he were in charge, she would have been sent back, <laughs> which I love. I wonder, maybe 23andMe or Genie or something like that should offer free DNA tests to white nationalists, Ku Klux Klan members and all that. I love that there idea. Be someone who would do that, I would think. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fascinating. And as part of this, you got this crazy idea to have the world's largest family reunion. You were going to set a Guinness Book World Record for that. How did you make the leap from exploring your own immediate family tree to holding this gigantic family reunion? Yeah, that was, uh, I'm not sure that was a good idea. It could have been my worst idea. <laughs> really? Well, it was, it was You've had a lot of bad. crazy ideas well, over the thank years, you. too. <laughs> thank you or not thank you. But yeah, I mean, part of the book is, is sort of this memoir and part is a how-to, part is science, but part is this thriller about <laughs> can I throw the biggest family reunion ever? Because when I found out I had millions of cousins, I was like, you know what? Why not try to have a family reunion of every single <laughs> one of them? And uh, I won't you know, give spoilers, but the day that it arrived, it was the strangest day of my life. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we had 40 parties around the world, uh, like in New Zealand and Mexico and New York, all singing We Are Family with Sister Sledge, uh, <laughs> one of their last performances before. And um, 
And it was just a bizarre collection of human beings. I found it delightfully bizarre, but we had uh, celebrities and athletes. We had um, yeah. we had a, a rabbi, a minister, and a Buddhist monk. So it was like a setup to a joke. And we did have alcohol, so you could say it was a bar. They walked into a bar. Um, I was miserable the whole time because when Why? you throw a party, I don't know. I'm not. You're just too too focused on making sure it goes off okay. Right. Worried yeah. about every little thing that's going to go wrong, like who's going to get hit in the face with the drone camera and sue me for $10 million. So, um, yeah, it, but it was uh, it also gave some structure to the book, like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a narrative flow. Can I pull this off? Yeah. So did you pull it off? Did you break the record? Well, no spoiler. I did break some records and I didn't break others. (laughs) But yes, I did break some. Now, prior to that, you started kind of learning about family reunions and you, I guess, as uh, your kind of reconnaissance work or your research, you ended up going to the Hatfield and McCoy family reunion, which is an annual thing. I I forget how many people go, but the two famous feuding families, the Hatfields and McCoys, now have a joint family reunion what was that like well i did love right i got in touch with one of the uh descendants of the original hatfield and mccoys and he (laughs) had put together for several years this reunion and his argument was if the hatfields and mccoys can get together and make it work anyone can so i loved that and uh and the first one featured they didn't they they didn't kill each other. Instead, they sort of put their aggression into a softball game. Oh, that's funny. And there are still there's there's still some bitter feelings that the Hatfields thought the McCoys brought in a ringer. It was fifteen oh, really? to one McCoys. So there is still some residual anger and bitterness. Um, and even perhaps more ironic, the first one was 15 years ago. Now there are two competing Hatfield and McCoy reunions. Yeah, that was one. interesting. So that uh, I try to ignore <laughs> that fact and try to focus on the fact that, yes, they don't kill each other and, anymore. And what is it? It's like one is on the West Virginia side and one is on the Kentucky side. That's it. <laughs> exactly. Like... One is sort of more McCoy heavy and one is more uh, Hatfield. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's it was, and he came to the global family reunion. I had oh, Hatfields and McCoys at the reunion. <laughs> yeah, you had some interesting experiences. Um, you get invited to speak at a local chapter of the Daughters of the Revolution. Do you see these so-called lineage societies as exclusionary? Well, I think they started out as exclusionary. And the mm-hmm. Daughters of the American Revolution you can only join if your 10th grade or 11th grade grandfather fought in the revolution or, or helped yeah. out. And they have all, there are dozens of these. I was blown away by how many there are. You know, there's the royal bastards, descendants of. <laughs> really? Yeah, there's a, a group of descendants of mistresses. How do you of, prove that? Well, I guess through <laughs> DNA and. Uh, oh, okay, and, okay, yeah, I guess so. But also yeah. through paper. Um, what, what's interesting is <clears throat> the Daughters of the American Revolution, it was famously exclusive, mm-hmm. and they got in trouble, a huge scandal, because they, in the 1930s, would not let an African-American singer sing at one of their events. Right. Eleanor Roosevelt uh, quit, and it was a big public um, uh, uh, scandal. But now they are actually trying. The One of the heads of the New York chapter is an African-American woman, <clears throat> and she's trying to recruit 
uh, Latinos and Native Americans. And her argument is the Revolutionary War was the first world war in that you had French, German, right. Latinos, yeah. African Americans. So I thought that was nice. Huh. So they are trying to turn it around uh, and make it more inclusive. And, and what was her connection to the revolution? Her, her family. It was her something like her tenth great grandpa uh-huh. didn't fight, but he did give. Okay. <coughs> excuse me, he did give uh, beef to the Union Army. Oh, interesting. So you don't huh. have to actually fight; you just have to help. You don't actually have to have fought in the war. Right. To qualify. Okay, that's interesting. You just have to help out. Yeah, and while you were exploring these different groups, you talked to a group that thinks that family is a bad thing, at least in the traditional sense. They advocate for what they call a logical or horizontal family versus, I guess, what we would call the biological family or the vertical family, right? Right. Well, there are a couple of things. I mean, the the idea of family is definitely broadened, Mm -hmm. so it's not just tied to DNA. There are people who say, I actually consider my colleagues more a family or my friends. Um, and I'm fine with that. There are people who are really radical who say we should abolish family altogether. Huh. Like this is, and this has been from, for, for many decades. This, it, basically you look at something like the Soviet state. Mm. They yeah. said, yeah. get rid of your family. The state is your family. And I have a chapter on there's this one kid who reported he ratted out his parents to Stalin because they were allegedly plotting and uh, and his his parents went to jail his uncles killed him and and he became a martyr so yeah. he was a stalinist martyr with these statues and operas about him uh so there is this theme get rid of family because it's bad for society uh and you can do this thought experiment, which basically, if you had a button and uh, someone said, okay, you can either, your son will die or you can press this button and 10 strangers will die. So I, you know, I'm human. I'd be pressing that button, which is not in a sense ethical because you're killing 10 people for one, but Mm. I would be so fast. I'd be on that button. Boom, boom, (laughs) boom, boom. Uh, So, but the question is how can we, have a fair society and also have because I yeah. I can't imagine getting rid of family is just too far against human nature. Now, did you work with a lot of Mormons during this process? I did work with thing? a huge number of Mormons, and they are yeah they are the Golden State Warriors of genealogy. <laughs> they are just amazing, uh, and it's mostly because it's part of their theology okay. to in the afterlife. Uh, you you need to know who your family is to uh, have a uh, happy afterlife. Is, okay. That's the totally oversimplified oh. version. So sorry, uh, LDS Church, for that. <laughs> but that's the general idea. Mm-hmm. And they they have thousands of people who are devoted to helping build this family tree. They add more data every year to their family history library than is contained in the Library of Congress. So every year they wow. have they add more data. Every in one year. In one year. <laughs> so it's just unbelievable amounts of data on billions of people. And what I love about them is that they were very open with it. Mm-hmm. They could have been secretive and just had yeah. it, but but you can't go on and you can access uh, either in person at the library or online, you mm-hmm. can access their data. So I became, uh, you know, they 
even though I disagree strongly with some of their stances, like gay marriage, uh, they were very helpful with really? my cause. Huh. They actually allowed me to sing with the to- Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Oh, really? <laughs> they they like they told me not to sing too loudly, yeah. but they let me in. <laughs> and I spoke to the largest group of people I will ever speak to, 8,000 people, wow. uh, many of them Mormons. I was the warm-up act for Donnie Osmond, <laughs> so the wow. highlight of my career. Yeah, that, that gives you some serious Mormon street cred right there. <laughs> now, Mormon street cred, by the way, could be the most oxymoronic phrase, yeah, I think. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> when you're exploring the global genealogy and connecting everyone, are there health implications to this as well? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that that's, it's going to be very interesting uh, when everyone has their genome, and there's... There's good scenarios and bad scenarios. Mm-hmm. In the good scenario, you you get information on things that you have uh, a higher chance of getting. So you know you you have the gene that uh, you have a higher chance of getting a certain cancer. So it'll change your behavior. And we're just starting to see that a little, uh, but it'll become more and more as the science gets better. Uh, on the the dystopian scenario is sort of we turn into that movie Gattaca. Did you ever see that movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the idea is yeah. everyone knows your your genome, and so yeah. they're not going to hire someone who mm. has the the uh, possibility of you know becoming a drug addict because they have this certain gene. Uh, I mean, I actually there was a a few years ago a report, a report about the monogamy gene that there are certain people really? who are more. Yeah, more likely. Now, the science is not all there on that, so I, I very, I'm very skeptical. But imagine if it is true, and in, and in like 20 years, you have your Google contact lenses. You mm-hmm. go to a bar. It does facial recognition. You see someone, oh, he's cute, but oh, he, he doesn't have the monogamy genes. See you later. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's going to be interesting, and it's hard to know whether it'll be a good for the world or bad. Yeah, privacy is just one of the issues that get brought up and the global family tree is even controversial among actual genealogists what is their issue with right well there is some people some very traditional genealogists are um think there are two problems one the privacy you mentioned and two the accuracy uh they say that it's like wikipedia uh you know anyone can change so you know you're going to get Iggy Pop gave birth to Paul Revere. You know, it's just <laughs> going to be chaos. That has actually not turned out to be the case. It's really? been much more accurate than anyone would have anticipated. There's still huh. huge problems with it, but there are people, they call them forest rangers, who go <laughs> on and try to verify. And I do think it'll get better with DNA mm. testing. But that is a problem, the accuracy. Uh, so not everyone is on board. Uh but it it is going that way. It is going towards so whether or not they want it, that it's happening. And talking about the privacy angle of it, it brings up, I guess, an interesting moral question because you're not just dealing with your privacy or your immediate family, your parents' privacy, your living relatives' privacy. People are posting photos of ancestors 100 years ago and disclosing personal information about deceased relatives. It sort of begs the question, do our ancestors want their stories to be told? Right. And, and, as, and how do they want it to be exactly. told? Exactly. Because you may I mean, uncover all kinds of stuff. Right. 
And that is a fascinating that I talk about in the book. Do they want their story? Because there's, you know, my I talked about my ancestor who had hemorrhoids. Does he want that out there? Uh, there are more serious cases. A friend of mine found out that her ancestors were collaborators with the Nazis. They oh, were wow. Jewish, Jewish, but they 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 collaborated, and uh, so that's out there. Uh, and it's very hard to know. I think overall, I am pro-information and that the world will be better the more information we have. Not always, but for instance, I do think it's better that we know that Thomas Jefferson definitely had kids with Sally Hemings uh, because uh, I do think that that shows how intertwined we are uh, and, and that this idea of uh, racial purity is a myth and that we're all much. Uh, so I think overall, even though it tarnished his legacy, uh, it's the truth and it's better for the world. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a tough one. It's yeah. a tough one, I'm sure. And and think also about our future. What are we going to want yeah. <laughs> out there? Because, you That's know, true. I, am, I am quite convinced that our Google browser history is going to be accessible oh. to our, oh, like, yeah, I know. Oh, God, exactly. I'm thinking of just releasing wow. mine right now and being yeah. like, it here with. it is. I'm sorry. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, there's embarrassing wow. stuff. There's nothing like, you know, oh, how, yeah. how to mutilate kids. So I, I feel I could survive. Yeah. But, okay. um, but it is going to be interesting. Yeah. There, there will be no privacy in the future. Yeah. And how are we going to deal with wow. that? Wow. I wonder, is there a particular person in your lineage who you feel a particular kinship with or well, you can see the connection, the thread? Not counting the hemorrhoids guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my grandfather, my mother's father, was a remarkable man, larger than life, and I love loved researching him. And I found out a lot of him through the FBI. So we can thank really? the uh, Yeah, I got... Uh, he, he, through the Freedom of Information Act, I got his FBI file, and it was 400 pages. Wow. Uh, because he was very close with Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, he was okay. one of yeah. MLK's mm -hmm. lawyers. Hoover was all Hoover, over Hoover, not yeah. a big fan. Um, and he, uh, he was also, my grandfather, very involved in bringing a program that brought African students to the United States. And one of those students was... Uh, Barack Obama really? senior <laughs> so he uh, so that to me I love the idea that of being enmeshed in history now he never brought any um, uh, Scottish students over so he he cannot be blamed I was for just, okay. uh, our current situation but uh <laughs> have you checked how far you are from Donald Trump well I have I yeah. have I am uh well uh, my closest path is through his son-in-law Jared oh, well, Kushner, because okay. okay. I'm yeah. Jewish and Kushner is Jewish, so we are quite tight that way. Uh, yeah, I mean that is that's a that's a tough one, <laughs> but but hopefully I did also do an article about how everyone in the Senate is related. Oh, interesting. Uh, and of course, as I said, I don't expect peace to break out when people realize they're all family, but yeah. but scientists do say it's a nudge in the right direction. Mm -hmm. They call it. The, the family bias. It's actually a cognitive bias oh, where wow. you treat your family yeah. 
more kindly than you do strangers. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and I think in here you said that you were trying to help that along because you were working on creating, I think, a smartphone app where I could be sitting here with you and look at my smartphone and figure out how far apart right. we are. Right. That's it. That was uh, that was the That's dream. Cool. And it's coming. Is it? I don't, uh, you know, my friend who was developing it couldn't get it together in time for my big event. So I don't know if it's going to be him or someone else, okay. but I do anticipate that in the future, cool. yeah, you'll run into someone and be like, hey, my fourth cousin, yeah. hey, my seventh cousin. And it, it will be interesting for, as I say, the dating scene, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> weirdly, yeah. Um, Iceland, I talk about this in my book because there are certain populations that are more endogamous, mm -hmm. which is a polite way of saying they're inbreeders. Yeah. And Iceland is one of the most inbred of all populations. And it's been a little problem. So they have an app, a dating app, where <laughs> you go out for a date with someone and you can check to see how closely you are related. Uh, and they have, I think the catchphrase is something yeah. like, bump phones before you bump private parts. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, when you decide to do all these crazy things, like spend a, a, a year living according to the Old Testament, the world's biggest family reunion, do your poor wife and kids ever get sick of these crazy experiments and being human guinea pigs alongside oh, you? I, they do have yeah. a mixed uh, mixed emotions. So, for <laughs> instance, my wife, I lived by the Bible for a year, so yeah. I followed the Ten Commandments, but also I had a huge beard, and I um, you know, didn't wear clothes made of mixed fiber. I tried to stone adulterers. I used very small <laughs> stones like pebbles. Uh, so in some ways she liked it because I yeah. do think I became, I tried to become a better person mm -hmm. I, and gossip less and just be less self-centered, oh, centered. Yeah. but other parts she hated because <laughs> in the Hebrew scriptures, the old Testament, it says you cannot touch a woman during her time a month. And if <laughs> you take really... Leviticus really literally, you cannot sit on a seat where a menstruating woman is sat because then it's impure. So she found that offensive yeah, and sat in every seat in our apartment. And I had to stand. I basically stood for the entire year, which later I found out when I did a book about health, standing is actually better for your health. Yeah, that's true. So there yeah. you go. She did me a favor. Well, once more, the book is called It's All Relative, Adventures Up and Down the World's Family Tree. A.J. Jacobs, thanks for talking with me. Thank you, cousin. <laughs> Thank you, cousin. Thanks again to A.J. Jacobs for coming on the podcast. Order his book, It's All Relative, Adventures Up and Down the World's Family Tree on Amazon or download the audio version at audible.com. Keep up with AJ at ajjacobs.com or on Twitter at, at @ajjacobs. Today's episode was sponsored by Credible.com. Credible.com is an online marketplace for student loan refinancing. Using Credible.com's simple platform, it takes less than two minutes to find out if you're overpaying on your student loans. You could save thousands by refinancing. All you have to do is visit Credible.com slash kick, answer a few questions, and right away, you'll get real rates, not ranges of rates, from multiple lenders. Checking your rates will not affect your credit score, so you really have nothing to lose. The average user who refinances through Credible.com saves almost $19,000 over the life of their loan. And for a limited time, my listeners will get a $200 welcome bonus when refinancing through Credible.com kick. 
That's Credible.com slash Kick. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Kick-Ass News on iTunes and leave us a review. You can follow us on Facebook or on Twitter at at KickAssNewsPod. And as always, I welcome your comments, questions, and ideas at comments at kickassnews.com. I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kick-Ass News. Kick-Ass News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.